Time to take flight with Audio Airstrike. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Audio Airstrike. I'm your host, Everett Hall McNeil, and we have a very, very special guest in the building. Yeah, Tell them yeah. who you are. Hilarious Omar, baby. Hilarious Omar TV on IG. How bake, how spark, how cook. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's good, man. We appreciate you for coming through. Absolutely. Let's get down to these topics, man. I just wanted to kind of, um, kind of bring you in because you're a fellow comedian, uh, along with Pete Davidson. Yep. who's currently on SNL, so I just wanted to talk with you about that. Uh, the first topic is Ariana Grande blasts Pete Davidson over the SNL spoof. Okay. This is post-breakup, so you know there's right. a lot of emotions involved. There's right. a lot of stuff going on in that, some, in that sort of fashion. This all happened on a Saturday Night Live sketch. He was in the sketch. He was trying to holler at somebody. Okay. In the sketch, Pete Davidson's in a sketch where he's basically getting denied by a chick. Okay. He says, do you want to get married? After she declines, he responds, oh, zero for three for me. Wow. Now, Ariana Grande did say that another tweet responding to that, which I have right here. She says, for somebody who claims to hate relevancy, you sure love clinging to it. Then she later says that wasn't about Pete Davidson. So let me ask you this. You being a fellow comedian who will get the jokes off based off your personal experiences. Mm -hmm. Do you think this was playful or do you think this was some shade thrown? Do you do you how do you view this? Do you see any fault in this at all? 100 percent shade. 100 percent. And, you know, it's funny because everybody's trying to cover up what's inside. You can't. Right. That was, um, you know, you can take the comedian out of the comedic setting, but you can't take the comedic setting out of the comedian. And, and what I'm basically trying to say is, this, for me, the Pete Davidson action, that was the fact that he works on SNL, his relationship is relevant, even though you're a comedian, so you have to have some type of yearn for entertaining people right he's on snl that's what they do this was it, it just happened some i could partially say that this is a i'm a one-up you i tried to marry you you declined over and over again made me look like a fool right you know so let me make this spoof this is what i do anyway and the whole time in the relationship of uh her making the tweet um basically saying pretty much when you were with me, you were trying to be all, oh, I don't like the limelight. I don't like the popularity contest. I don't like the fame and all that. So she's like, but what she doesn't understand is you both are fucking famous, whether you like it or not. You know what I mean? Right. So, I mean, relevancy, it makes both of them relevant. And uh, it's a joke. So, so just like the relationship. Now, seemed like, like It was a joke. As now, well. I'm wondering, this is my, this is where I stand at, right? Right. I'm looking at the situation. I'm like, okay, is she reacting like this? This is, and keep in mind, we're not too long far removed from Mac Miller's passing away. Yes. So she may be under a lot of stress, still remembering her past relationship, still remembering how that went, and loss. 
when you losing somebody, you kind of going to act in a way you normally wouldn't act because you're mentally not all there. Right. Now, right. I'm not saying she's crazy or nothing like that, but you know, <laughs> it's it's just when people lose somebody they care about a lot, they tend to act out in ways that they shouldn't act out. Right. So it may be a, one of those things where she was probably feeling a bit more betrayed than she needed to be. Cause I think had not that happened, she probably would have been like, okay, it was a joke. I understand. That's what I'm assuming. I don't know her personally, obviously, right. but I think it's more of one of those situations where because of the events that happened previously, she's extra emotional, extra emotional, extra willing to get at somebody, mm-hmm. at least in, through a tweet. I'm not saying she's going to pull up and fight like Cardi B. Those are two different, that's two different personalities. Right. Right. But, I think that that added emotion kind of spiraled into leading up to the tweet because now you people don't throw hands no more. They just get on the on know, Twitter. On, they get right on Twitter and they use Twitter fingers. That's what they want to do. <laughs> Context blows have been thrown. Right. <laughs> it's it's crazy because I'm sitting there looking at this and I'm going, y'all are really going at each other over tweets. Like if just shut up and fight and get over with. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I think Pete Davidson is is gonna really be a hopeless romantic. He might get married the next time, but it's gonna be out of the fact that it didn't work out with Ariana Grande. Ariana Grande, um, you know, with the 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 um, you know, the whole thing with Mac Miller just passing, you know, R.I.P. Absolutely um, to Mac Miller. Uh, I, I think that um, she's she's always going to bounce back. I mean, when it comes to Hollywood and celebrities, man, you don't know anymore. Like, I never buy into relationships in Hollywood or anything because it's just – it's so plastic. You never know. Is this yeah. real? Is this for um, status boosts? What, what's the real – reason these two people are together what really made them are they really getting along or what's the beneficiary you know aspect to the relationship because it seems like you know real love and real relationship has been lost you know yeah it does seem like it, it i feel like especially with social media people get so attached to the highlight reel mm-hmm. of what works right that they think Oh, this is how it's supposed to be every day. No, these people go through the same stuff you go through. Exactly. It's just on. It's just not put on blast, or it is put on blast for public display when it's something big and it happens. Exactly. TMZ does this all the time. We know we're we're fully aware of this. Right. But it's one of the dangerous things because we're teaching people of this generation to be like, "Hey, look at the highlight reel of the look at the highlight reel of the best moments of my life," and and and. Take a you know, take a look at that. This is what you want to aspire to be. You're not showing them what you look like without the makeup, without the glitz and glamour. You're not showing them where you lost that opportunity. You're not showing them where this fell through. This person dished you, but but due to professional relationships, you had to keep that on the inside in order for that deal to work out. You're not showing that. No. On social media. Everybody's only posting their wins. Yeah. But to win you gotta fail. And, and and even though people are posting all those wins, a lot of people are failing. Right. I mean, just uh, rational understanding. There's way more people hurting than there are people in happiness. You know what I mean? So I look at I look at social media and and how people are living on social media, like uh, 
you know, it's a, like you said, it's a, it's a soap opera. It's a slideshow. Everybody wants to be famous. I don't understand where people felt it. I want to know what what went wrong that caused people to think being famous means like like that means success. Like that, you do not have to be famous to be valid. You know what I mean? They I talk people, about this a lot. Like, yeah, there are people that are like fifty grand working as a janitor, happy as long as they go to their family, happy. Exactly. There are people that you know work the trash every day. They their job gets looked down on a lot, but they're happy. They're making decent money, right? And they go home and with no foolishness. I know people that got good grief. Bent, uh, not Bentleys, but Benzes in the car. Mm-hmm. Benzes, you know, the Bentleys and everything like that. The nice cars, driving nice house. Forward. Driving nice, living in the best area code possible. Miserable as hell. Right. Right. Because a lot of people are, uh, are living outside of their lane. And they yeah. can't come to the realization that that doesn't bring happiness you gonna be you gonna be real mad paying six hundred dollars a month in your car note when you only make eight hundred dollars a month in real life. A twelve thousand dollar mortgage payment <laughs> for what? You need an efficiency or a studio, and you out here living in a whole house. You can't you can't handle that. Right. You don't even got a lawnmower. Grass highest highest grass in the in the neighborhood. <laughs> no weed whacker. Right. You got to pay somebody an extra like three grand just to turn around. <laughs> hey, I need you to like, bro, all these acres of land. I need that. I need that. It's crazy, man. But in a lighter note, um, there has been an announcement made that the third Bad Boys film is going to be coming out. What's your thoughts about that? Oh, man. Uh, I'm definitely going to support it. Um, I, I'm, I, I just want to know what they're going to do at this point because they're old. Martin Lawrence and Will Smith. Although Will Smith, you know, make sure he stays in shape. You know, Martin, I love Martin and Will Smith. When I grew up, I wanted to be Will Smith. Mm-hmm. I never thought that I could be a comedian or an actor or anything. So I would watch Will Smith and be like, I want to be that guy. Right. You know what I mean? Fresh Prince of Bel-Air days. Um, at this point in their career, I know it's going to be fun. I know it's going to be successful. Everybody wants to see it. I want to see it. But I'm, I'm, I'm very uh, interested in see how they're going to pull it off. Uh, you know, when you start developing arthritis and you, you try to chase down criminals, stunt doubles for it. Yeah, but at some point you're gonna see the the age. You're not gonna see. You remember Bad Boys, the first one, right? When Will Smith was running down the street and his shirt was frailing out, right? And he, uh, it looked like he was in a, a R and B video. <laughs> 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 That's not gonna happen in uh, Bad Boys Three. <laughs> it's just. Not. You think he's just gonna be at a tank top call today? <laughs> Now he's gonna be in a jacket driving somewhere. He gonna be, <laughs> dude gonna be running down the sidewalk. Will gonna hit him with his car. He ain't got time to be chasing nobody on foot no more. And he did that scene with the boots on, so you know a young Will Smith was super in shape. Right, but I uh, I think what might happen though is I think they're gonna play around with the fact that they're older. I think the jokes are gonna oh, fly. Yeah. Oh yeah, about their age. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So I think yeah, I think it's gonna be good all the way around. So I'm happy to see it. I'm glad it's coming back. Um, what storyline do you think they could possibly are going to do to this? Uh, I can see them doing a situation where somebody gets kidnapped at some point in the movie. Uh, it's a big um, money laundering heist or something like that. Uh, Martin is like, I'm done. I don't want to do this no more. I'm tired of this Mike Larry and all that. 
and something happens to Will Smith where Martin has to kick it in gear to mm-hmm. save Will or something like that or vice versa. That's yeah. what I think something's going to happen to one of them and like the movie's going to be based around them saving each other. Oh, okay. Got you. Got yeah. you. Got you. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to be interested to see it. I hope it I hope it gets the laughs off, but I also hope that, you know, they kind of keep it. I hope they don't go overboard and be like, all right, this is not possible. You ever seen action movies where, okay, this is really not possible? Right. Like every Fast and the Furious movie that came after The Rock showed up. <laughs> everything was WWE right. after that. Everything, everything. Somebody was getting rock bottomed. Somebody was getting <laughs> elbowed. <laughs> like, um, since when did this turn into WrestleMania with cars? <laughs> Fast and Furious, they think. Too fast, too furious. Fury under the the hood. I'm like, hold on, hold on, stop, stop with the names. These names are getting crazy. Right, absolutely. Make another franchise or something. Yeah, and they're coming out with Hobbs later uh, next year, 2019, I think, or it's either 2019 or 2020, something like that. What's that? So it's a spinoff. It's like the Rock's character Hobbs. It's in the Fast and the Furious movies. Okay. It's a spinoff of that, and it's going to be him, Jason Statham, and I think uh, Idris Elba's in it too. Yep. A spinoff to the Fast and Furious series. That's what Tyrese was pissed about last year. Okay. That's what he said. Well, what more do you want from me? <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. That. Yeah, he was hurt. That man was going through it. <laughs> Pull up on the demon on God. <laughs> <laughs> so, getting into a little bit of sports, uh, big news that happened locally here. We had Maryland head coach DJ Durkin fired. Okay. Uh, due to very raping. questionable. Oh no, no, not rape. Okay. <laughs> uh, due to very questionable uh, treatment towards offensive lineman Jordan McNair, who fell ill and later died on June thirteenth, and there was a big, there was a big discussion about how players are treated, conditioning wise, and Whoa. ways to handle that. So was this yeah. dude being hazed or something? Like what? No, I don't think he was being hazed. I think it was. How did he die? What did they say? So they so here's how this works, all right? So the timeline is I'll read it to you for those of you who are um want are interested in the timeline. December twenty fifteen, Maryland hires DJ Durkin as head coach. January twenty sixteen, Durkin hires Rick Court as head strength and conditioning coach. May twenty eighteen, offensive lineman Jordan McNair is hospitalized after showing signs of heat stroke and exhaustion while participating in a team workout. Okay. And then the thirteenth June of this year, he passed away at age nineteen. Good grief. Wow. Uh rest in peace, man. Yeah, and wow. It would determine to be a heat stroke. All right. So with that being said, I mean the the dude deserves to be fired. I don't understand why coaches think that You'll get water when you work hard. Listen, man, as a grown-up, an adult, when you are pushed to certain limits, you know when you need some water. You know when, all right, I can't go, I can't go anymore. Right. I mean, I understand the objective is you, you, you go as hard as you possibly can. You give it everything you got. But then safety comes into play. Right. You know, we, we live in a world, food is fake. All, all these different types of determinative things are happening now. So you have to be more cautious. You know what I mean? Right. Health conditions are damn near at an all-time high. So right. you got to, you, you know, safety first. The dude is at University of Maryland playing for you because he proved himself elsewhere. 
Right. So so the work ethic and how hard he's going shouldn't even be in question. Mm-hmm. Somebody says they, they're done, they're done. Like if somebody says they they hurting, it's time to start paying attention. People getting sued now. People ain't playing. So Yeah, this ain't how it used to be in the old days where you would just drive a player into the ground and then, you know, don't really care for him. And I hate right. to be that I hate to be that guy. But back in the day, it was like killer be killed old school Absolutely. mentality. It was like Hey, this is what we preach it, and you are going to buy in. It was. It wasn't one of those times where you had free thinking going on. Oh, and people died back then. Yeah, we just ain't find out about it. Right. We we didn't have cell phones and and and, and news on. We weren't aware and all that. But people were dying back in the in the day. Think about all those football players that have been breeding out of the South for so long. Right. How hot it get? It's so hot down in Houston. Yeah. They have air conditioning at uh, bus stops. Right. They got water fountain every block. So imagine how many people died in Houston trying to play high school football. High school football. Right. Imagine the kid that that passed out and died shooting jump shots during the summertime because he didn't have no membership. Absolutely. It happened. Oh, believe it. But now, you know, it's on it's on camera. Now it's, you know, on demand. You do something like that, it's a wrap. Yeah, it's an issue. So it's one of those things where if you are going to be a coach, you need to take into account that one, you need to look out for the players both while they're in football and also after. Right. So when the when the 60 minutes games are over, you need to make sure that they are healthy. You need to make sure they also their mental health is also intact as well. You need to also make sure that they are a, a substantial player and their mind, body, and spirit is intact. Totally. Right. The best coaches, or you've seen it in interviews where a player really appreciates what that coach taught them just about life Correct. in general and just about the ways that they were looking out for them outside of the game. Right. The best coaches are the ones that do that. Right. And when you run a platform and you run a team based off of glossing over health issues and then these stuff happen right. yeah you're gonna get let go right absolutely who's gonna catch you got, that you gotta go you gotta go university of maryland not taking that right all the money that that, that that they make and all of the the prestige that they have gotten over the years you think they're gonna put themselves at risk for you no sir no you're gone <laughs> and, that's, <laughs> and that's how it's gonna go you're definitely gone so let's get into uh another topic we're going to get into voter suppression. Now, there have been concerns over voter suppression and it's rocked Georgia leading up to this midterm election. So when we say voter suppression, what are we are we talking about people being prohibited from voting or doing uh, practices to discourage somebody from voting or delaying voting or whatever the okay. case may be? OK, making making it super. Yeah, making it harder than it needs difficult. to be. Okay. Yeah. OK. Now, recently, Brian Kemp, who has served as Georgia's Secretary of State since 2010, faces Democratic Stacey Abrams in a contentious election. Abrams can make history if she wins as the first as the state's first black female leader. Okay. so there have been claims that alleged voter suppression has been reoccurring theme throughout the race. From senior citizens being kicked off a bus and taking them oh, don't, to, uh, don't do Maybell like that, and taking them to vote to, 
to, to lawsuits filed under uh, Georgia's so-called exact match law, you could say that Georgia has been a leader in the field of voter suppression, as quoted by Bruce Millard, an assistant prince, professor of political science at Santa, uh, Savannah State University, told by Fox News. So that's one instance that we've seen that okay. we've heard about. But there has been rumors about voter suppression happening in Georgia. Okay. So now let me ask you this. Has there been have you physically seen voter suppression when you go out and vote or how do you feel about voter suppression in general? Uh, voter suppression is definitely real. I, uh, when you have when you have different people that control, you know, outcomes, you know, and they need certain people elected and selected you know, people start working in coots. Mm-hmm. Um, you have certain places in, in the country, especially red states, not to pick on y'all, but you have, you know, the state's attorney, the prosecutor, the, the judge, they all work together. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's a numbers game. When it comes to voting, you know, the more you have control over that than the people do, things are going to go the way they want them to ultimately. Yep. I mean, I think it's against the law. It should be against the law. If if I have a felony and can't vote because I'm a felon, there should be things that protect the people that aren't felons that mm-hmm. allow them to vote. So there should be no such thing as voter suppression. Didn't, isn't that what Donald Trump pretty much did uh, when he won his election? Didn't he alter ballots and stuff like that with Russia or some Putin? Supposedly, Russia interfered in the 2016 election. Right. That is what the narrative is. Now, how are you, America, and a whole other country interrupts your election? That that doesn't even make sense. How Russia? <laughs> what Russia got to do with us? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We got a long history with. I don't them, speak. Back in the day. I don't speak Russian. I don't, I don't, I'm just saying. Like, what what are they doing? Oh, who 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 is this man? Who who's his man's? You know what I'm saying, right, man? When I when I look at the when I look at this man, I mean, it's much it's much deeper to me than a, a simple voter suppression. It goes deeper than that, man. At the end of the day, I just hope that we can have people leaders uh, in positions that that really are leaders. You know what I mean? That that are for making. Um, America the a better place for everybody that's in you know living here. Right. You know what I mean? So ultimately all we can do is just keep fighting to to get that vote in and um we've always had to go the the detour route in right. everything. So you know just fight fight through it so we can elect who needs to be elected. Right. Now with this being said, and I've and I've had people on this show in the past that have, and with election day coming up and midterm elections coming up and that being the hot button topic of today, as politics has kind of been the hot button topic for the past couple of years now, mm-hmm. what I have noticed is, is that there is a strong lack of understanding the importance of voting. Okay. Um, I had two guests on the show. In the past that felt and I'm not calling them out, but this is just bringing up the discussion. We had a discussion on voting. I was for voting because it's important as you being especially you being somebody 
of a minority, especially you of be, you being somebody of a millennial, it's very important for that age group to vote. However, right. ever since the infamous shaft of Bernie Sanders, there have been a recent group of number of people that have sat there and been like, okay, there's no point of really voting because at the end of the day, they're going to do exactly whatever they want to do and we're just supposed to sit back and just accept it. Right. This is my thought, right? How do you not know if you are being programmed to think that way? Okay. If the agenda, because I'm looking at, I'm looking at it from a, a large spectrum, right? If we put our resources together to help out the community and stuff like that, we wouldn't have to ask or worry about government. If we put all the BS, all the ego, all the pride aside and just be like, you know what? It ain't even a black thing. I'm just talking about people helping out their communities. You do see it with Asians. You do see it with Indian folk. You, you know, if everybody started helping out their communities instead of wonder, instead of sitting there waiting for the government to pass a law or doing this or doing that. Then you wouldn't necessarily need to worry about the government's interfering. You know what I mean? Well, I think you always have to worry about the government interference because anything that makes money, the government wants they want to a piece of it. Okay, so that that that's that's number one. Everything is about money. Uh, as far as replenishing your community, you know. Well, let me backtrack. Let me go based off the, your initial question, which is voting. Yeah, the importance of it. People might scrutinize me for it. I don't vote. You don't vote? No. Why do you not vote? I don't vote because for the very reason why we're discussing. Mm-hmm. Do I think it's programming you to think that? Yeah. Programming you to think that your vote is going to be altered. That's one way that they're convincing people that should be voting not to vote. Okay. Then it's the fact of you do that long enough. The people that need to vote won't vote my whole thing is i am only going to vote for somebody that gives me what i want it ain't going to be no oh let me let me pick the the best of both evils i'm no make a make a commitment of what i need so i can give you my vote when we've seen the democratic party base everything about feminism and homosexuality what does that have to do with me Right. Nothing. What does that have to do with me? The Republicans, tax breaks. Again. What does that have to do? What does that have to do with me? Now, you start talking about things that really affect me, like reprimanding uh, police brutality. Um, You talk about things of what you're going to do with the judicial system as far as. the whole efforts to uh, decriminalize marijuana, send people home that have, you know, nonviolent offenses, uh, you know, give me something. Don't just get up there and please the masses. Right. There's not black people make a problem. They say, which could be an agenda as well. There's more of them than there are of us in America. So they're not worrying about pleasing us because we're not the masses. However, we're the number one consumers. Now, it brings me to the other point you made about um, coming together and rebuilding your community. 
I'm all for that. Okay. Because that when we start doing that, that's when those votes matter. Right. In my opinion. I mean, am I am I am I delusional or because if I place a vote and you promise me nothing that I want, what is what am I using my vote for? Because now I have selected and helped something that I didn't even want to happen happen just because I got to use a vote. Give me a candidate that I can vote for and I'll vote. That's my thing. So let me let me pick your brain for a second and kind of did that make did that make sense? Yeah, you definitely brought some valid points to the table. Um, this is something that all, I, I'm glad that I haven't. I'm glad I'm having a conversation with you about this because I feel like it's very important, especially for this election. Absolutely, because we're on. I feel like you and me both want the same thing. It's just Absolutely. the way we think about certain things is different. Right. Like we both want and our I'm, people to and, be and it's like empowered. And it's like there's certain things that I I don't want to talk about simply because of my either my platform's not big enough yet. And there's not enough people that are, would be willing to ride. Right. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah. If I was on a Jay-Z's magnitude, I become a mogul. Now I can sh- shapeshift. Right. I might I might have a hit out on me. <laughs> <laughs> but right now, I'm, I'm t- there will be too many people that cut me at, clip me at the legs before I even get a chance to take off. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, okay. I get what you're saying. But, but nah, we, we, we good. We good. I know how to answer these questions. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. So let me pick your brain about this. So we had the Voters' Right Act of 1965. That was a signed law by President Lyndon B. Johnson aimed to overcome legal barriers and local levels that prevented African Americans from exercising their right to vote as guaranteed under the 15th Amendment to the Constitution. The Voter Rights Act was considered one of the most far-reaching pieces of civil rights invest- legislation in history. Some of the stuff that led up to that was the Selma to Montgomery March. Also, there were literacy tests where what? There, yeah, there were literacy tests where Just blacks, the vote? At- yeah, blacks attempting to vote were often told by elect- election officials that they had gotten the date, time, and polling place wrong that they possessed insufficient literacy skills or they had to fill out op- or they had not filled out an application correctly. Wow. Also, the population suffered from high rates of literacy due to centuries of oppression and poverty. Okay. So it's 2018. I'm sorry to cut you off. I'm yeah. going to jump right into it. It's 2018. You're going to tell me a whole group of people can't read, can't write, I'm telling you, you know what I mean. I'm, but at the same time, I'm telling you that because of the effects of this, right? You has kind of, in a way, stifled probably my generation, your generation, and probably the generation before you. So it stifled this probably this right here probably stifled on top of a bunch is of this, other stuff. Is we this already happening done. right now? No, 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 no. This was like I'm just giving you history oh, about. Oh, okay, okay. I'm, I'm giving sorry. you, yeah. I'm, I'm giving, I'm giving you history okay. about why, in my personal opinion, I feel that voting is needed oh, because yeah. I have people that, because in my mind, I have family members that went through this, mm-hmm. that fought for this, that died for this, in order for me to have the right to vote. Absolutely, and I 100 percent agree with that. The diff, you know, the difference between what your folks, our folks, yeah, fought for. Is the fact that that was a time where the people running for positions 
Right. Their vote mattered. Whether that person won or not, the people running to become something, I would I would have voted too. Oh, okay, you know what gotcha. I'm saying? They weren't they weren't just just doing the voting thing just to do it. You have people that were out there forcefully trying to change the narrative. All right, keep the mic a little closer. The, Oh, uh, trying to change the narrative. I'll give my vote for that. Bernie Sanders got my vote. Oh, mm-hmm. it, it, and let me let me also say, it's not that I never voted before. Right. It's the fact of who can I vote for now? You know what I mean. You felt like it was no point of voting at a certain time. Like you vote, you were right. you were a participating voter or a regular voter, but after the 2016 election, it kind of rubbed you the wrong way from voting. Before that, but even before that, but okay, okay, Barack Obama. Okay, I voted for Barack the first time. Mm-hmm. Get promise me something, Barack. Give give me a bottle of Hennessy in the mail. Give me something. <laughs> you said a bottle of Hennessy. Give me something. And you know, and and here's the thing about presidents. Presidents are just a face of the country. I've come to real, to, to the realization of truth that I don't. You know, a lot of people won't accept. They're just a face of the country. What you think one man is going to get all the power of? The decisions of the world No Oh it's really up to the three it, branches it's, it's really Yes So you're just a face So whatever the, the agenda is And whatever they want to do At that point in time You will be the face That takes The good and the bad That comes with the decisions mm-hmm. You know what I mean Yeah That, that are made Within your presidency Um, Yeah after After Barack Obama He was, he was like the, the black hope mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying He gave people In poverty phones uh, but what else you doing for? You go. You know where I'm going. Man. Yeah, you, you feel know. like you feel like as though that he was just put there as the face to make to put a pacifier on black people that have been offended yeah. by recent stuff that happened over the years. That's what you feel like. Yeah, we didn't get anything out of the deal. We we didn't get. What did we get out of the deal? He didn't say. You know what? You all right? So this is the president. Let me give you the pre- a, a person that I will vote for. Okay. Bringing the jobs from China, which is now a superpower. Right. Now, before I say this, I want you to know America is facing karma right now. Oh, I mean, we yeah, we we agree on that. I mean, I we're, think we're facing different. we're facing karma. Here it is: we were giving all this money, stripping Americans of jobs and industry, taking them over to China. Mm-hmm. Now t- China has the second, possibly the first, uh, economy in the world. Right. They did. They weren't always in that position, and America's dwindling down. Now you got, and people might disagree with me. Now you got South America trying to empty um, their countries into America because they're they're running from the regime of where they're coming from. Now let's just say South America starts, you know, more and more. We start letting more and more come in. Now, now, now. Supply and demand are matching. America, in my opinion, is already overcrowded. If you look at the the bordering states, it's already overcrowded. It mm-hmm. takes. It, we were late driving down here yesterday. wasn't even rush hour. couldn't Couldn't move. Right. So you take all this. Of, over time, America becomes a third world country. Mm. So how? Let me ask you this: How? F- this may be a little bit of a spicy. Prediction: How fast do you think Maryland would become a third world country? Maryland or America? America in general. America, if 
the Democrats who are once again for the masses, and I don't, and and when it comes to, I'm not, I can't rock with you. Every everything's okay, everything under the sun is okay. I can't rock with that. I need guidelines. Give me give me some rules and regulations because that's what keeps everything in order. Yeah, you know, um, can't be the wild wild west. Everything, right? <laughs> I think honestly. It could possibly happen within the next fifteen years. Okay. It could. It could. But I think something will happen. I think we will be at all out war if we were put in that position though. Oh, too, okay. There are too many people when you look when you look at some of these Facebook videos that go viral with dads tra- training their sons and daughters on how to use firearms and, and tactics and things of that nature. Right. And the uh Doomsday preppers, right? They're preparing for something that we don't know. I always feel like white people get an email that niggas don't get. Mm. I always feel like that. You know what I mean? Like, because they're preparing for something. Tell me, what what are you preparing for? What? Why is your son eight years old shooting a, a, a AR fifteen? You know something I don't. Because niggas don't don't put white people in position to feel fearful. Because niggas, niggas are killing niggas. So let me ask you this. Do you think it's one of those situations where we're not in those type of communities to kind of get that empowerment, to kind of learn how to fish, to kind of learn how to use a firearm, to kind of learn how to do crops and culture and stuff like that? Do you think it's also a geographical thing, too? I think Because it's, of the FHA putting laws in but way back when that is still affecting us now? I think that's part of it, but it's the fact that black people ain't trying to kill nobody. We ain't trying to hurt nobody. Black people, for real, for real, our natural state of being... Is loving and, and you know nurturing. It ain't war. We only create a war because we know other people got uh, people trying to hurt you out there. Uh-huh. So so we would create an infrastructure to protect what's ours in our community. But outside of that, do you? Mm-hmm. We have never we have never been the type of people. It's just in our DNA. I'm not gonna say in history because I I know uh, you know we've had wars and things. You know when you go back in history, but just naturally who we are, we are of the earth. You understand what I'm saying? Uh-huh. Like we are, in my opinion, I feel like we are the chosen people. We want everybody to prosper. It's not until you infringe on us. Now we become, we're depicted as thugs and criminals and things of that nature. That's not how we are naturally. So while they're preparing to kill some, kill whoever, I don't know who the hell they're preparing to kill, but while they're revving up to, to gear up for something major, it seems like to me, we are, I don't know, systematically in another space. I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, it makes sense. I get where you, I get where you're coming like, from. Like I get why, where your concerns why aren't are. We, as many as many innocent unarmed people that are black being murdered by p- cops and police, if we if we were as vicious as everybody's saying, we would already had a civil war again. Mm-hmm. But the fact we don't want that, we don't want to we don't want to die. But we're living in a world where we feel like we're di- we're dead anyway. So it's like, what do what do you do now? Mm-hmm. Do you go to war? Do you try to continue to show, you know, try to spread love? And my whole thing is niggas got to stop killing niggas. Can we stop that? You, if niggas stop doing that, I'll vote for anybody. I'll vote for Trump. If niggas stop killing niggas, because I, I need the unity with us. You know, that's a tall order you're asking, right? Because the mentality in these inner cities is you need to do that to survive and see another day. But right. it's it's like... It's, it's like a damned if you do, a damned if you don't. Right. 
because if you do this, you survive for another day. But if you kill the wrong guy, they're going to come back and kill you, and that's just another, you're just another dead body right. in, a, in a cemetery. Right. So it's one of those situations where, um, I, I so recently, you know, because I work full time as a videographer for this automotive company, and one of the head people, um, was in the hospital for something, and she was like, like Everett, they, like they just bring in people in that was dealing with gun violence and gang violence, like. Like it's nothing in it. And she was in Johns Hopkins. Yeah. And I looked at her and I said, this is the reality all day, every day. Like this is what is happening down there. Yeah. Keep in mind, she's living, um, she's living not in that environment. So to her, right. it's one thing to hear the news, but it's nothing to see the people coming in the hospital. Right. So she's concerned and taken aback by what she's seeing. And I just told her, I'm like, this is the reality of the situation that, 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 that they're from and that we're seeing because, right. You know, she was concerned because she started asking me. She's like, Everett, I know you you travel a distance to get here. Like, are you from that area? I was like, no, I'm not from that area. But I have cousins and family members that are from that area that are well aware and tell me what's going on. So it's one of those situations where until until people within that community work with and here's here's a couple of things that need to happen. One. We need to have a police system that we trust. It ain't even about police. We have to go wait for that to happen. We gotta go hard. forget police. We can't. You think we gotta? You think we gotta do a we completely? Gotta, we gotta man the our communities ourselves. Somebody, somebody raped somebody in the community. Now he's on public display. We hang this motherfucker in the middle of the street, butt naked. Everybody, oh, okay. everybody gets a whack on this motherfucker. If he dies, he dies. Type shit. So everybody's Batman now. You you go out here and you murder somebody. Hey, you go Gotham City out this bitch. You go out here and you murder somebody. We catch you before the police do. You 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 you're in the middle of the street, butt naked, hands tied up. You so you trying to make this into a the purge? How far? No, nah, we everybody ain't no purging. No, it ain't no purging. We not purging. See, a purge means no rules. Everybody's out here killing each other. No, you black and you hurt somebody in your community. You will be made an example out of as a community thing. We ain't hurting nobody over here. Oh, you are oh, you gonna go up inside Mister Mister Henry's store and rob him and yeah. slap his wife over the head? Yeah, it's got to be a penalty. For well, that. When we find you, when we find you, this ain't no one guy. He's the man militia putting black people in check. No, this is a community thing. Oh, okay, gotcha. So now kids are looking at this like. I love, and then we got the then we got facilities that teach you black love. Mm. You get what I'm saying? Now, when you grow up, by the time you're an adult, all you do is love your people. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. That, that's how hard we got to go to 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 resurface this thing. People got to be scared to hurt another black person. Oh, you black hurting black? Oh, we got to get you. Oh, okay. I see, I see you what you're what saying. saying. Yeah, I get what you're saying. Because now you you too afraid. You don't want to hurt your people no more. And on the other side of that, the embracing love of it. So you got the you got the penalty and the consequences for doing this from your own people. Right. What does that bring? Unity. Right. I got you. So now it's harsh. It's militant. No, it's very militant. It's very Malcolm X. But if you don't, how how else do you change? How else do you change it? You can't. Yeah, because you can't sit down and have a conversation because nobody's trying to have dialogue at this point. You heard this climate. You heard somebody in your community. You, you you will be dealt with. 
that happens to every black if that starts happening in every black community that's what starts to change it then now prepare for the demise prepare for the attack now they come out with a new drug something similar to crack they let start letting black people get rich again we gotta be we gotta always be ready for the counter because when when we start winning and we start thriving, they always throw some shit in the game that looks like a great perk that detaches us from who we are and what we need to be. Mm-hmm. They threw crack at us. Back one, in the 80s. One of the most addictive drugs, one of the worst epidemics that hit the black community. They threw, we had Black Wall Street. So and they ripped that apart in Tulsa. They ripped, they ripped that apart. That was one of the biggest black memorials. You know how many black people died? And they don't try to talk about that. They don't try to even document it. You had your own economy, black people. They forcefully went in there and took it. It wasn't no, we weren't hurting nobody. We was doing us. Right. We finally get to a point, they, they knock us down. Crack, they knock us down. If we do something, we just got to know what's coming. We got camera phones now. Right. Everything's on display. The Black Panther Party, right? That was one of the most helpful things black people have seen in, in this world's ever seen the Black Panther Party always gets confused because when you hear about the Black Panther Party they think the militant systematically don't you think that's a bad thing like even me even though I I know what the Black Panther Party is when I hear Black Panther I always think bad I don't think bad because I understood what they were stood for oh absolutely yeah I know they're not bad yeah but I'm just saying when you hear the Black Panthers you you I'm not going to say from your perception yeah but I know it's not a um, how do I word this? You know, it's not something that everybody's hip to. Exactly, it's, from it's, a positive it's, perspective. There's, there's an issue there. Yeah, it's not this piece. It's a misinterpreted. It's not, it's not like hearing Christianity. Right. When you hear the term Christianity, you think good things. Yeah. I mean, that's just, whether you're programmed to think it or whatever, whether you know what's behind Christianity or any religion. When you hear Christianity, good thing. When you hear Black Panther, you don't. Is it good? More good, more bad. But when I found out about the Black Panthers and what they stood for, they made Black Panthers out to be criminals, thugs, murderer, cop killers, the worst shit you can possibly be, which made white America afraid. The Black Panthers hit, hit them with a move where they started taking people that were marginalized from all different ethnicities and bringing them together. Right. And as soon as they did that, because now you got all the people involved. It ain't no black a uh, black situation no more because everybody ha- anybody marginalized isn't just black it's everybody right then you had the so, white panther party too so, that was in support of the black panther party exactly well. you got you got the white people that are marginalized right that are poor that will never you know what I mean be millionaires and billionaires thinking that they these people voted for Trump they think Tr- Trump is about to go out here start hanging niggas all around the country and give give white people millions of dollars. No, motherfucker. It's about money. Mm-hmm. It's, stup- it's stupidity, man, but we can talk about that all day. Come on, let's, let's, right. keep, let's keep it moving, man, because so I'm, de- I'm deep, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm, that's, I'm why deep, I to, that's why I wanted to interview you on the show because I've, yeah. I've seen your live stories where you'll go and have those deep conversations. Right. You give a good balance between humor mm-hmm. and giving the real talk when it's needed. Right. You know what I mean? So... There's one other topic that I forgot to talk about. Um, okay. There's a R. Kelly documentary that's coming out. I've seen that they're releasing something. Yeah, like that. you saw the. Have you seen the trailer for it? 
Yeah, it's it's called uh, R. Kelly Pissy Pissy Chronicles or something like that. Right? <laughs> wow! <laughs> what? Wow! <laughs> oh my gosh! Track number one is I gotta go real bad. <laughs> What's track number two? Help me with my flyer. <laughs> oh my god. What's the bonus track? The bonus track? <laughs> Bathroom in the bed. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just want to get your thoughts on what do you think about this whole ordeal? Do you think it's like the do you think this is like the final nail in the coffin on his career? Or like are you think we're just seeing starting to see the kind of like the wet spots in the roof almost? Like you don't uh, get this fixed sooner as later it's gonna R- be a bad roof. R. Kelly, despite his shortcomings and, and, and things that he's done inappropriate throughout his career, which everybody seems to have dirt, his career is not gonna be over until he Stop saying or feels like he's he's done himself. He uh, he's always gonna have a loyal fan base. As long as he's making good music and good R and B, it don't even have to be good music. As long as he's making music, mm-hmm. R Kelly will you know his career will last as long as he wants it to. He'll be he's gonna be one of them dudes in two thousand thirty eight on stage at the awards with a cane, still singing on stage. You know what I mean? He he might not be. I don't sti- know about that. Why? Why you say that? Think about it, right? If I'm running a network mm-hmm. and I want my network to thrive, okay. Yes, I know R. Kelly has a fan base, but I also know that people are going to come out in droves and protest him being on that stage. Okay. So then it makes me look like as a network executive that I'm supporting. What he did. Oh, so you're saying this documentary could, in fact, hurt him. Dude, there's protests at his shows. Then you have this coming out. Then you have people. I didn't know that. Yeah, People protest at his shows? Yeah. I didn't know that. Because he still tours. and You know what I mean? He still tours. I I never heard of him. And then there's also been rumors like like his ticket sales have slightly dropped. But I think that has to do with relevancy, though. He's not making any more trapped in the closets. You know, he is getting older. His fan base isn't having as much sex as they did in the early 90s. You know what I mean? He's like, (laughs) think about it. Think about it. You know what I'm saying? So that's, I think that's more of the reason why his sales are dropping. He's not putting out as much music anymore. He, you know, he, we live in a world of, okay, yeah, you're famous. Everybody knows who you are. But what have you done lately? And it's getting even crazier with that type of. It's a. That's the thing now. Right. What have you done lately? Like, if I were to stop doing what I do, yeah, I have loyal fans that will always remember me. But somebody else could come out probably do exactly what I do. DC niggas be like Baltimore niggas be like, and they will never be like, yo, don't do that because hilarious Omar does that. They, no, they're just gonna let people rock with it. So. When it comes to R. Kelly, I think it's I think it's a what have, what have you done lately situation. If it, if R. Kelly started making music and putting albums out every year or even every two years, which because he doesn't do that, 
he comes out in a, once in a blue moon, and then he goes away. Right. If he started becoming more consistent, which he's probably not because he's old, he's been in the game, he's older, he's been in the game for so long, you know, he, he really doesn't, unless he want, needs or wants the money, he really doesn't have to. You know gotcha. I mean? Gotcha. I get what you're saying. But, yeah. Um, now, as far as the network, yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, because if I'm a network executive, I'm not putting him anywhere near my award show. No, right. I don't need the backlash. I don't need all this. You just, look, what you've done for music, I won't forget it, but I can't have you Pino messing Pino. up my money. Yeah. <laughs> I can't have you in the background looking for my daughter. <laughs> look, look, Kales. She ain't finished high school yet. All right. She, you see the barrettes? Come on, Kales. <laughs> you see her eating sour patches? <laughs> She's too young. She got a training bra on, Kales. <laughs> <laughs> she just learned to drive yesterday. Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So I wanted to take this segment now and kind of talk about how you got into comedy, how you started, and kind of um, kind of delve into where you are now and where you want to be and what you've learned. So let's start with how did you come up in comedy? Uh, how did I come up in comedy, or what made me start it? Or uh, I would I, I would say I would you can you can answer both. Um, so I tell people this all the time. I started comedy because. You know, I looked at my natural gifts. God gives you. God gives. I think I believe God gives everybody a gift. Mm-hmm. And my whole thing is, before I work for somebody else and set have my mind set on, you know, I'm a I'm a work so hard for this company or do this and that. What gifts did God give me first? So basically, like self identification. Right. So that's what that's what the start was. I wanted to know, I wanted to use what God gave me naturally and, and work it. Uh, so I didn't want to misuse my talents. So I, at first it was, you know, a tremendous athlete. I was playing basketball. I probably should have played football, but that didn't work. Going to the NBA didn't work out. So, and I, I came up playing with some of the top guys in the area. Uh, David Brewster, who is now Dave East, the rapper. Mm. I played, competed with him in high school. Um, Kevin Durant, Michael Beasley, Ty Lawson. These are all guys from the area that, you know, we all would play, you know what I mean, and compete. So I definitely thought I was going to the NBA. Didn't happen. What's my next gift? I'm funny. Class clown since I was, you know, probably since I was, since I could remember. Mm-hmm. My family, I was, for a long time, I was the youngest. So I, they used to always make me do stuff. That they were too afraid to do, that developed, you know, this fearless mentality. You know what I mean? Um, so when I was contemplating, I was in college. I was contemplating on what the next chapter was. Once I said I was done basketball, I said, "Let me try comedy." Mm-hmm. So that's how I, that's how it started. The the idea. So I started watching comedy, and uh, Lil Rail before his big blow up. Shout out to Lil Rail, Shot Town representative. Um, before he blew up with all this fame, mm-hmm. I seen him on Bill Bellamy's "Who's Got Jokes" in my dorm room, and I was like, "Yo, this dude is funny as hell, and he's not doing anything extravagant. He's just saying, he's just speaking on regular, everyday, family stuff, right? 
and it's clean and it's funny, I think I can create some stuff to be a comedian. And uh, that's how I started. Okay, wow. That's how I got into it. So what made you get into the internet side and grow that? Uh, You know, people started blowing up on social media. And even though some people can blow up overnight on social media, all of them don't have talent. Right. All of them don't respect stand-up, which is, that's that's my, that was my bread and butter. Mm-hmm. I felt as though if I did stand-up, because I, I didn't go to school for acting, it would develop such stagecraft that the acting jobs and things of that nature would come. Now, internet, I said... All right, it's time for me to it's time for me to become relevant because I've done so much on stage now and I've developed my voice. If people people that's on the internet that don't know what having your voice is, right? You need to do more stand up. Yeah, absolutely. But once I found my voice on stage, I said, "All right, it's time to make money." People in LA, you either go to LA for acting and comedy or you go to New York. Well, financially, both of those places are out of my range. I see people blowing up online. It's time to make money. It's time for me to create something that I can, um, I guess, monetize or become more uh, relevant so people would um, buy into me and seeing me live. Yeah. So So, that's what made you shift to that platform. yeah, Yeah, definitely. Speeding up my career. The fact that I need to make it, like, faster and the fact that I wasn't going to L.A. and New York all the time. Absolutely. Yeah. Now, do you remember the first video you did? Uh, first videos I, I would do, they were trash. They were horrible. <laughs> <laughs> they were horrible. I, I uh, and I would post them, and it, it really showed me, like, you know, people really don't take me serious. But every now and then, you get somebody to, to put an emoji under there. Mm-hmm. Mind you, I'm really putting in work because I'm like, to be a standard comedian. It's way harder to be a social media personality. Mm. Way more time, way more effort put into that. Right. To be a social media personality, you don't have to do anything. Like, you can literally act like this dude every day on camera. <laughs> you do that You do that six months straight. Next thing you know, you got 30,000 followers. Right. All because of... <laughs> Next thing you know, 30, you're going viral. All right. for that. So it was hard for me... To switch from a craft to something that doesn't take much, right? That was the hard part. So now, by the, but by the, here's the thing: by the time I got to that part, because I, I um, I went viral, of course. By the time I got to that, so many people had been like social media icons. Now I'm at a point where I'm way more talented than them. You put me on stage with any of those, I blow them out the water craft wise. As far as personality, um, on social media, the whole viral sensation, the whole oh I'm a follow him, I'm a follow him, I'm a follow him. That whole craze craze has gone. It's, it's gone. Mm-hmm. Unless you got somebody twerking in your your video, or you do something that's so off the top of the head, like the video me and my girlfriend created. Okay. You it's gonna be hard because people are exposed to so much now. You you might see a video with somebody, you know, not faking like they're getting shot, actually getting shot. You right. know what I'm saying? How do how do you compete? Right. How do you compete with being a real comedian, where somebody else to get fame will go inside of Wendy's and throw burgers at the wall 
and yeah. smack people's food off their tray. I mean, even though that's not comedy, you got this new generation that has no respect, no values, no moral compass. Everything is shock value. Exactly. Shock value. That's not comedy. So right. real people that have talent and, and comedy, we are losing. Because there's a lot. There's a, there's only one me, but there there's a lot of people out there that like are really gifted. And I mean, unless you do some, you know, quirky, trendy shit, you're gonna struggle a little bit, you know right? I mean? Absolutely. Until that time uh, ultimately comes. So, you being at this, I remember we talked a little bit earlier. You had been at this for eight years plus. Eight years, stand up and stand up. So. Now you knowing both sides, the stand-up side, the internet side, what were some of the things that you learned to get to where you're at now? What were some of the things that you had to learn, some of the harsh truth or something like that? I had to learn I got to be funny faster. I had to learn that you have to have a plan behind all this stuff. Like, at first I would just, I would get up there and it was the whole like when I first went viral, couldn't sleep. Couldn't sleep. Phone going off crazy. Bing, 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 bing to the point where I had to turn my notifications off. Um, I then was like, okay, how do I do this again? How do I do it over and over? Because you go viral, typically you go viral by accident. Right. And then it was, okay, how do I keep going viral? Because that's how you build your following and, you know, become, you know, uh, recognize um, So I was always I was constantly Creating And I finally came up With the whole Niggas be like thing mm-hmm. I was like okay I, I can impersonate How people talk I kept practicing it Next thing you know It went from me Doing D.C. To me doing Baltimore No It started with Baltimore Um, Started with me Doing Baltimore Niggas be like Then I was like If I can do Baltimore I know I can do D.C. Do DC. Did D.C. And it was like, all right, I went to college with people from New York and Philadelphia. Let me try that. Bam. Dead on. Both of them. New York. Dead ass. My guy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Philly. You know, real rap. You know what I uh-huh. mean? You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm on in. So. <laughs> and, that, and people loved it. Right. It was like people, you had people hit me up. Yo, I haven't been home in so long. You make me homesick, man. I love your work. It was a crave. I'm like, all right, I got something going. But you do that long enough. Like for me, I'm so I, my mind works so fast and I'm so creative. I can get bored really easily. You know, I got mm-hmm. a high IQ. Like I, I constantly love being challenged. That's what makes it fun for me. When it stops being a challenge, it's not fun no more. I could do niggas be like every day, but I need I need to have fun because right. when you know when you do comedy and you take it serious like I do. Every time you create something, every time you get on stage, you're giving um, a piece of you. You always got to get that back somehow, some way. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't, next thing you know, Hilarious Omar is on drugs. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious Omar is losing his fucking mind. Hilarious Omar is in rehab. I don't. I don't need that. And because because you can you know work so hard and push so much, you forget about yourself. Right. You know what I mean. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, and it's it's and it's good that you have learned that stuff now because so many celebrities get lost in the fame. Yeah, that they kind of lose touch with what made them, you know, 
blow up in the first place, which you're taking an essence of who you are as a person and putting it into every creative outlet that you were working on. So right. it's one of those situations where you always, especially if you're going to be a huge media personality, regardless if it's comedy, film, or something like that, or acting, you always have to always know where your foundation lies and what your standards are. Because right. this industry can easily make you forget them if you're not careful. Absolutely. And I like one thing that I also learned when it comes to social media, the people that love attention the most are the ones that typically do the best mm-hmm. because they are fueled by the attention they're getting. Right. Me, I'm a laid back dude. I really don't like the lot. I do this because of the career I'm in. I like stand up because for that 30 minutes to an hour or 10 minutes, I'm on stage. I'm hilarious, Omar Terrell. When I get off that stage, I'm Omar Copeland. Right. A real laid back dude. We can talk regularly. Humor might come of it, you know, right. because that's just how I'm made. But you got some people that don't have an off switch. Right. They get off stage and they still feel like they got to. Why are you telling me jokes and we're at the gas station? Turn that shit off, man. Who are you? You know what I mean? I don't got time for this. You know what I mean? And for me, you know, people, people, when they see me, a lot of people that have no respect for comedy, and this goes to the people that hear this, don't see a real comedian and say, hey, you're a comedian? Tell me a joke. Oh, God. Shot fired. Really? Tell Tell you a joke. Let me see your tits. <laughs> Are you really trying to get me tooed out of here that fast? Oh, sorry. <laughs> I'm just trying to look out for you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> um, but no, you know, but yeah, people that love, that's why you have, you know, I'm, I'm not going to, you know, go too crazy, but like just hilarious. People don't know. I don't have a problem with her. Like we're, we're I'm really cool with Jess. Right. Um, Shout out to her. I'm really cool with any comedian that's a good person. Right. You know, I don't I don't know how good of a person she is cuz we don't talk that much because you get we're both from Baltimore. Hilarious is in the beginning of our name or in our name somewhere. So it looks like there's competition. It's not. Right. You know what I mean? Hilarious Omar is a name that I came up came up with because my cousin said that I need a name that fits and something that really makes me be about that. You can't right. be hilarious. Call yourself hilarious and you're not fucking hilarious. You know what right. I mean? Although some people do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Another shot fire. Uh, but nah, me and her are cool. But she strategically set herself up to win. Right. She loves attention. She gets, she really loves, she really loves making videos. And get, I don't, I don't, I like creating something for people to enjoy, but constantly, you know what it is, and then that. I don't like forcing funny, right? I like it to be natural, and when people want it over and over again, because you're getting people through their day, you're getting people through life easier. You know what I mean? Right. Everybody wants to laugh. Everybody wants to, you know. So, but at the same time, I want to make you laugh naturally, right? I want it to be because I thought of this just now. I'm going to record this and put it out there. Mm. Not me sitting down at a table. And writing all this stuff out. Right. To make you laugh on demand. Like that's that's corny. Right. That's, that's really corny. But because 
Instagram and you know, you have to. So every now and then you might see me take a week off of posting a video or something like that because I need me too. You know, right. I gotta make sure I'm good too. Mm-hmm. All right. So you kinda doing self therapy in a way. Yeah, you got you have to. This, yo this this game in entertainment, if I could have did it all over again, you would have never knew who I was. Because I would have used my I would have used my brains and became like a surgeon or something like that. But I'm in so deep now, I got I got to finish it out. <laughs> <laughs> I know that this is weird for you. It is weird. This is like re- very enlightening here. It's, it's very difficult because when your number isn't called and you have to pretty much make your way. Do you know how hard it is to know that you are one of the most talented people in the world, which I always have to have my connection with God because God right. – he, I know he wants me to go through this right. because in this way, because who knows? Let's say I blew up a year ago. I have not earned it for real. I have not went through the trenches. I won't value it is what I'm trying to say. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Here I am famous, big headed, treating people like shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Th- th- that's what comes with it. Yeah. When, you, when you have access to everything, you know, you, and you didn't earn it, you become spoiled brat. Mm-hmm. So going through the mud, it, not only has it helped me develop my 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 craft, but also character. You know what I mean. But yeah, it's very difficult to know that you have all this talent in the world and you're undiscovered and you're working as hard as the people that are famous and that are making you know six figures and three commas on their check. And you're you're one person away from seeing from them seeing you and your life changing. Right, but. You have to continue to live in like that that bubble of it's going to happen, right? And I know it's going to happen. Like I'm, there's a lot of people that don't know who I am, and when they do, see, here's my thing: if I was getting paid for everything I do, good. Oh, I give you hilarious Omar all day long. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I'm, I, I have to do the videos, then reap the reward from the shows later. You get mm-hmm. what I'm saying? Yeah, I get what you're saying. So I do. Let's say I put in. Two months straight of just hard work going in online. The third month, I might get booked the next three months out. Yeah. But see, when when you get booked, I don't just go on stage and just be up there and like, uh, he's just like the rest of them. He's funnier online. No. You come see me on the same what I'm giving you is online is what I'm giving you because the whole niggas be like, that's just a pl- that's just a strategy. Right. So I can go I can get booked in Chicago. If I do Chicago niggas be like, I can get booked in Baltimore and Philly and in Atlanta because I can do the niggas be like. Yeah. Now you want oh he gonna come down here and tell us uh goddamn, goddamn on everything. He's like, goddamn, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I get yeah. down there and they're like, This dude is really nice. Right. Where'd this come from? Because mm-hmm. I'm a real stand up comedian. Right. I just do this other stuff to like get me booked mm-hmm. and, and, and and possibly, you know, land acting jobs and stuff like that. But that social media shit, man, it's corny. <laughs> <laughs> it is though. It's just fucking corny. By the way, even though he said corny, you can follow him on Instagram. Yeah, at follow Hilarious me on, Omar uh, TV. Instagram at Hilarious Omar TV. Cause I I, no, I really work hard. I don't just throw BS out there. I really work hard to make sure you guys are entertained and you know get through your work week because I, I know how hard it is you know i know how hard life is and 
what a lot of people are facing. We're all going through something. So absolutely, if my comedy can help you get through your day better, yeah, this person right now, th- this ain't hilarious, Omar. This is like behind the scenes of who hilarious Omar is. Yeah, because I'm real dry right now. <laughs> Just like your mother. It's like, nah. Yo. I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> so, on that note, for those people who don't know who you are, yeah. uh, just let them know your, your information, where they can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you're on Instagram, um, please take the time out of your day to follow me at Hilarious Omar. Uh, if you can't spell it, uh, it's because you know, it's it's not H A. It's H I L A. Hilarious Omar TV on Instagram, and follow my Facebook page, my Facebook fan page at Hilarious Omar, and then on YouTube as well, Hilarious Omar again, and uh, subscribe to my channel. I'm I'm pumping out content all the time. Uh, I'm always throwing out you know different things that are controversial. I roast, you know, I do roast where I do the split screen because I bake, I spark, I cook, you know. So definitely check it out if you want a good laugh. Absolutely. Well, this has been another edition of Audio Airstrike. Ladies and gentlemen, you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and SoundCloud under the username Audio Airstrike. Until next time, Hilarious Omar, thank you for joining us. We appreciate absolutely, it. Absolutely, absolutely. Give it up to your host from Audio Airstrike, your man Everett. <laughs> that's how that's how we go ahead. See you next time, everybody. Take care. Peace.